This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za. Good evening, listeners um, and dear friends. It's nice to be with you again. And the past two weeks, we, we were speaking to uh, Trevor Hudson about the 12 steps. And we thought today to tell you a little bit more about our own experience with the 12 steps, as it's not a very common concept and many people are not really aware of the steps. And so if you haven't listened to the previous broadcast, I would invite you to go to our podcast. You can do that at any time. You can download our podcasts and listen to some of the previous ones. So if you haven't done that, I would really recommend you to listen to the two um, episodes we did with Trevor Hudson on the 12 steps because he had written several books about that and he's he's so he's so full of wisdom about how to apply that and what how people change when they start looking at these steps and start living these steps. Mm. Yeah, so uh, Suki, um, you have been part of the 12 steps groups for quite a time in your life. Uh, I think perhaps it was on four years now. Um, so what type of fellowships uh, are there of the, that use the 12 steps? Right. Now, that's important because the 12 steps are generally used globally uh, across cultures, across mm. different countries for many years um, already, continuously in different places and situations and cultures. Um, in places like um, AA, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, mm -hmm. Al-Anon, um, so, so what is Al-Anon? Al-Anon is for friends and family members of alcoholics. Mm -hmm. ACA is for adult children of alcoholics. And then, oh, Frederick, you need to help me. There are many of them. Oh, There's there COSA some, that are mm. codependents of sex addicts. And then the, the part of the Sex Addicts Anonymous and SAA, SAA, yeah, SAA and SA Sex uh, Addiction, uh, Sex Anonymous. And, uh, There's so Overeating Anonymous. Uh, gambling. Um, that's right. So there are so many of these 12-step groups. Now, many of them are not Christian-based because um, when you read the steps, they refer to a higher power, not to God. Mm. And so many Christians sometimes are very skeptical about those groups and don't want to go to them because of that, and that's understandable. Mm. But it's interesting because when they end up in a recovery center or an addiction, you know, a, a center for recovery, a long-term Often people get sent for six weeks to a, a place where they need to recover. Then they get thrown into these 12 steps mm. because they are very, very helpful tools like, like Trevor explained to us. And especially if we as Christians look at them through the lens of God and Jesus Christ. And mm. we can do that. Nothing stops us from doing that because they say you can choose your own higher power. And ooh, we don't want to even hear that because we know that our higher power is God through Jesus. But um, so I'm, I'm just sharing this as well, Frederick, because I know when I heard about the 12 steps many years ago, I was very skeptical mm. about it. And mm. I didn't want to have anything to do with that. And I think that might be a common thing because people don't understand that they can choose because actually as we talk about the 12 steps now and as Trevor explained a lot about the steps, if we use them with a little tweak as Christ-centered, it can really mean a lot to us when it comes to our own surrender in our mm. walk with Christ 
confession, change, transformation. It could really touch our relationships, our daily living and being a witness for Jesus. Yeah, this, these steps are really so important. And I think um, what perhaps uh, creates that perception, which I also had, is that the 12 steps are only for people that have real big enormous problems oh. and, and trouble in their lives like addictions and alcoholism and substance abuse. But these steps, for me personally, when I started becoming introduced to these steps, I saw that they can be applied in many areas of my life, not only for the recovery and restoration out of my sexual addiction that I had. Absolutely. And Ferik, you also said at one of the previous programs that one of our pastors before said to us that sin is like an addiction, mm. that we keep on doing the things that we don't want to do. And I know with Celebrate Recovery that also uses the 12 steps. They talk about not about addictions. They talk about hang-ups, hurts and habits. So anything that you want to really get rid of. Mm. Um, to try and apply and start living the steps because in a way it almost simplifies the Christian life. Now that sounds a little weak, eh? but it, it gives you the core of it. Like I explained earlier about surrender, confession, change, um, daily living with God, relationships and being a witness. Mm. Um, so it actually affects the core of Christianity in a, in a way, if you can do that in a Christ-centered way. Yeah, and you know, if we talk about hurts, hang-ups, and, and, and habits, um, if I look at my own life, I, I see of how many hurts I, I've carried from the past and um, how these works and hurts and hang-ups, I can find healing. Um, I don't have to be dictated by those past hurts as how to I, I live today. And I may have some hang-ups. Um, lately, I've started seeing about my anxiety, you mm. know, mm. how anxious I can get and how worried I can get. Um, it's uh, to, especially towards the end of 2020, I was really anxious. And um, how these steps can help me work through those. And then, of course, uh, habits that we don't want to do and uh, we keep repeating and saying that we'll stop, but we don't stop. Mm. It's instead of trying to do it ourselves, mm. right? Um, I'm very familiar with, you know, I will do it. I can do this, you know. Lord, I know you're going to help me, but I'm going to get this right. Mm. But it's just that little um, emphasis change on when we say, I am powerless mm. and I can't do it, only God can help me. Mm. And that's where the surrender comes in. But so, Suki, us, yes. yeah, so, Suki, when did you first uh, come in contact with the, with the 12 steps? Actually, years ago, while we were in China, I started reading about recovery when we were struggling with, with the addictions. And um, I, I started going online, and there was a nacrononline.com, North American Association of what, whatever recovery, but they don't exist anymore. It's, it's in a different form now. And that's where I started seeing about the 12 steps, and I started, I was just reading them, you know. I didn't think that you need to go to a group and you need to be with people because then we were kind of isolated, and I didn't have a way to really do that. Mm -hmm. But the first time I got in contact with a real 12-step group was in 2016 in Kansas in Manhattan when we lived in America. And I clearly felt, and you were already um, quite far in your recovery road, and um, you were, I think you, were, you had sobriety for several years. 
But we were under immense pressure in America, and I was in, you were helping international students, and I was doing my master's studies, and I felt clearly God said to me I had to go to a 12-step group. Now, I, I was kind of upset. I said, Lord, why do you want me to do this? I've been doing, I've been living with you for so many years. I, I've been reading so many books, and, you know, I couldn't understand it, but it continued to stay with me so clearly that, I, that that's what God wanted me to do. Mm. The only group that I could get, because I wanted to go to an adult group of, of alcoholics, adult children of alcoholics, but I wasn't able to find a group like that. So the only group that I could find was, because my dad used to be an alcoholic, was, was um, Al Anon, were like friends and family members of addicts. And that was not exactly the right group because, you know, your addiction was sex addiction and porn addiction. But it really helped me to see what groups are about. And even though I couldn't, it, I was reluctant to share about our kind of struggles because it sounded quite a bit different in some ways. You know, they, you couldn't really tell people about this. But it was very similar mm. to people struggling with alcohol. Some of the tendencies and some of the behaviors of, of friends and fa family members have of others that are addicted. Mm. And it, I just, re and shortly after that, you, you relapsed. Mm. And that was why God wanted me to do that, because that was a huge struggle for me when you relapsed. Mm. And I would have been an obstacle in your way if I, and I probably I was still in some way, but it, um, because I knew that I had to focus on myself. Mm. That's what you learn at these groups. Because often we try to fix the other person. And what I learned there is you cannot fix them or help them. You need to be focusing on your stuff and what you can do about your own struggles. Yeah, that's so important. And um, when you were saying you were introduced to the 12 steps uh, initially um, while we were in China, um, you introduced them to me. Mm -hmm. And I was very reluctant to actually start working the 12 steps. I eventually did, um, but they were on my own. And uh, that wasn't very successful. And I found that I needed help. I needed groups. I needed company. I needed fellowship. I needed community. Because it's in community that we get healing. Mm. Um, I also just say it's in community often where we are hurt, right? Mm. So, and it's at the same place where we are we experience hurt, where we eventually find our healing. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I did work some of the t on the steps by myself, and uh, there was things that I could do make amends with when I got to step uh, step nine. But the real real healing started when I reached out for help beyond myself, beyond just the two of us, with counselors, and then in safe communities. And um, so the first real safe community that I was able to slot in with was Sex Addicts Anonymous. Mm. And that was how long ago? Oh, that was in 2014, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so that's an, quite a number of years ago. Mm. And so what was your experience when you went for the first time? Well, the first time I went into those groups, um, they have a particular reading. There's this particular format that they follow. Um, they have a weekly reading, and uh, every week we are reminded this is where we are. This is the reality in our life, and these are the steps that can be followed um, to be healed, uh, to receive restoration, to receive recovery. 
And uh, then um, we are also given the opportunity to share our strength, hope, and, and so forth. But, Suki, before we continue on that, let's just take a, a short break um, for music, and then we'll come back after that and talk further about the 12-step groups. I'd love to hear more. Ah, thank you very much, and welcome back, uh, friends and listeners. Um, yes, as, as I was saying, Suki, when I walked into uh, that uh, support group for the 12 steps, um, it was quite awkward um, because you can imagine walking into a room uh, filled with other people. Strangers. Um, strangers you have never seen before. And this is the place where you're going to be exposing your deepest, deepest secrets that many often uh, the pers- the people that get into the groups have not even shared that with those closest to them. And that's how deep it is. Uh, so a person goes in there with quite a bit of trepidation and fear. And uh, often when people come in for the first time into the groups, we say to them, you have taken a very courageous step to walk into these rooms. Because there we are reminded of the realities in our life. and But fortunately, it does not stay there. And fortunately, the group talks about God and our relationship with God. And as a believer, as a Christ follower, I know who my higher power is. And I rely on him to bring the change and so forth. So... And I think one of the other ideas that people may have about the support groups is that it's just a place where you complain and where you say how hard life is and blame others for your your issues. And as you were saying just now, it is a focus on how I can change and what is happening in my life and what are the realities in my life. Absolutely. So, Freddie, can you tell us what is the format? What do you do? Um, you, you shared a little bit, and I think people got scared when they, they said you think you're going to share all your deep secrets. Fortunately, you don't need to, right? I mm. know they actually say you don't need to say anything. You can just listen. Um, but that's often the perception that people have, mm. of course. But can you tell us a little bit about the format of, of a group like that? Okay. So... We introduce, um, everybody comes into the group. If there's a newcomer, we welcome the newcomer. And then we we would start off, it would be led by somebody. Um, There isn't one leader all the time. We rotate the leadership. The person who is in leadership um, would start with the readings. And there are readings that are read every week. And initially I thought, man, don't we know these things? It's, it's common for us. Mm. But I found that it is so important to have that stability, that consequentness. Um, and um, just to remind us, um, this is where we are going. We are focusing on the solution, not on the problem. So there are a number of readings. Uh, what, what are the readings? I think the first one is the serenity prayer. Uh, we read the serenity prayer. Uh, we read the group guide- guidelines, um, you know, that it's a safe place, uh, that we are not there to condemn. We are not there to judge. We are there to accept one another. Very important, right? Because mm. if people don't feel safe, they wouldn't speak up. Absolutely. And very, very important is confidentiality. Mm. What is shared in the group, who we meet in the group, stays there. We don't share it with 
anybody who is not in the group itself. Um, that's what makes it safe. Mm. So that is, I think, the most important part of the support groups. It's a safe environment where you know what you share there stays there. And each person that comes to the group is just as um, uh, important, feel is just as important to keep confidentiality for themselves so they will do it for the others as well. Right. Um, and also something that's important that you pointed out in some stages, each person has got the same value. You don't have a hierarchy of you know more than you don't even know people's occupations. You don't mm. know anything about them. It's just a safe, anonymous space. Mm. And uh, so after you've you've done the group guidelines, you also share the 12 steps, right? That's a mm. very uh, important core part of these meetings. Yes. Then, you know, the 12 steps are shared and read in the group, um, but they are not done in the group. So there are two different types of group. There's uh, the support group where the people come together and um, then they also give an opportunity for um, people to share. How has the week been? Um, and we often also just read a topic, Suki. We could either read uh, about the first step or we can read about a tradition and then there's discussion about this. How do we experience that in our lives? And then there's a time of open sharing. How has the week been? What challenges have we had? What victories have we had? And I think that is so, so important that we don't focus just on the problems that we're having. We are talking about victories. We are talking about times when we have overcome how we have grown, uh, looking back to see where we were and where are we now. And the magic of these groups or the, the blessing of these groups is as you are sharing and you hear somebody else sharing, it resonates with you or you can identify with that. And we have a way of indicating how you identify with somebody else by raising your hand. And that is an encouragement and it tells us you are not alone. Mm. You are not the, the only person with this problem. You are not alone. We are here with you. And what you are experiencing, we have also experienced. And that is such a beautiful way. And it helps us to get out of isolation. Mm. Because if we don't share these things with one another, we feel lonely. Mm. And often in, in circles where we are, we, we, we don't feel we can talk about that. Mm. And this is a place where we, we can do confession without Crosstalk, and that's mm. something I want us to talk about. Can you tell us a little bit? Because one of the guidelines is no crosstalk. So, what do they mm. mean by that? So, crosstalk is when somebody is busy sharing, and and somebody else in the group thinks, "Hmm, that's not very reasonable," or they think, "Wow, that's a wonderful idea," and they start interacting, interacting, interacting or interrupting that person, saying, "Wow, that's a wonderful idea," and you know. You know, perhaps you could do it better if you do it this and this and that way. That's crosstalk when they go into a conversation. And that's exactly when the safety is diminished, right? Mm, mm, because mm. we maybe share something and someone will start judging or will start giving you advice or trying to fix you. Mm. And that is why even in Bible study sometimes, I think we are often scared to talk about our stuff. And mm. we're scared that we're going to be judged. We're scared that... People will start fixing us, and then we keep quiet. Mm. And that very important part where Jesus said 
that we need to confess our sins to one another and we will be healed. We don't have that. Mm, mm, mm. Now, if we, you know, one of the programs that we did, we did the uh, biblical comparisons for each of the steps and uh, we really see how the, the 12 steps and these groups form a critical part of, of recovery and restoration. And, uh, and that was so true in my own life. So by, by doing the 12 steps and working the 12 steps, um, you cannot just read through them and uh, say, okay, now it's done. Um, I often had to revisit uh, and do the 12 steps a number of times, um, sometimes on different issues. So my, my porn addiction is something of the past. However, I still go to an SAA meetings, even though I do not uh, watch porn or look at porn and I'm not caught in masturbation. So those things uh, are of the past, but I know I still need to be vigilant. I still need to be reminded these are the 12 steps um, to, if I've done something wrong, to make amends and admit it and immediately move on. And it keeps me in a, in a space of freedom. And that's the thing of the steps, right? It, it keeps you in freedom, like you're saying, but it's not, you cannot tick off the steps. Mm. You keep working the steps. In my life, every day, when I struggle with something, I will say, Lord, I'm powerless over this anxiety. It's mm. just taking me over now. Mm. I'm turning to you. Please show me your will for my life in this and show me how to live now because I'm messing it up. Um, mm. you, you said I mustn't be afraid, but I am afraid, Lord. Mm. So help me. Um, and it also then the next few steps is to look at this, the issues that maybe um, contribute to the anxiety, maybe some mistakes that I make or common, uh, what do we call, Carried, character okay, defects, defects. Mm -hmm. which is not a nice word. It sounds a lot like sin, right? Because that's actually what mm. it is. And another one is we call that coping mechanisms. That's mm. the nicest psychological word. Mm. When we talk about we cope by maybe controlling other people. Or because, we cope by being watching porn or drinking right, or right. overworking or oversporting or overgymming. And we use those as coping mechanisms mm. or uh, play mm. to numb or to, to medicate. Um, right. And the steps helped me to journey away from that. Yeah, and, and what you just said there, we need to numb if we haven't shared the feelings. Sometimes we feel when we share the feelings, it feels so overwhelming that we don't want to share them because it feels like we're getting deeper in them when we talk mm. about them. Mm. And therefore we don't. But we need to share them and take them to Jesus and then start focusing on him. And this is exactly what the steps help us to do, because it helps us also to confess, like you said, and mm. then to go back and to do the right thing. And step 11 says to uh, through prayer or, is it, or 10 now through Bible reading and, and often contact with God um, that we can grow in that and in our relationship with Jesus. Yeah, I, I really love how the steps have been put together from step one where we are powerless, where we need to surrender, where we amend our relationships with ourselves and with others. But I love the way it ends, Suki, and I'm, not, I'm sure we could quite easily end our, our session today with, with this 12th step. And it says, having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to others and practice these principles in all our affairs. 
And um, the 12 steps truly lead us into a deeper relationship and into intimacy, and that's what we are talking about in our program, intimacy with God so that we can be intimate with ourselves and with others and carry this message of hope to other people that are suffering and with hurts, hang-ups, and, and, and habits. Well, you said it so well. I can't do any better on that. And on this beautiful note, we're going to say goodbye to you, dear friends. Um, please, um, as I said in the beginning of the program, go back and go and look up those podcasts that we did with Trevor Hudson because he had even deeper things to say than we could say about the 12 Steps ourselves. And... See you next time. God bless. See you next time. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 729 AM. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za.